Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. There was a question I would have loved to ask this week. So typically we record Sunday afternoons, Eastern time. If there's a hockey game, one or more of us may or may not have it on, in, in the background to, to help provide live in-game updates from the past. But today I have the Women's National Championship basketball game in the background where two of the sports legends are hosting a telecast. I'd like to be able to ask, oh, who are two great hockey players to help lead telecasts for alternate broadcasts be? But I know the answers would be unsatisfying. So what I'm going to ask instead is, um, can we get Cami Granado and Marie-Philippe Poulin to lead simulcasts? for women's games in the future? I don't know. Their price tags are starting to go up. (laughs) You know, now that people are starting to realize what they're worth, their price tags are starting to go up. Wait, they're actually being paid on merit? Um, Some, some, some who have name recognition, yes. Oh my goodness gracious. And you know what the crazy thing about name recognition is the guests that you can pull. So over the course of this weekend, they they broadcasted, this is the third of three games. They are actually live on location and have a set inside the arena. They've had some guests in person, but just in the last 10 minutes, they've had Charles Barkley and Chris Paul. So active media, former Hall of Fame level player, current um, using hockey terms decrepit player because he's over the age of 30, but still well-renowned. And they're just, they're shooting the breeze, casual conversations, but they're talking in-depth only, only peers could do. Like, they're all three elite athletes at any given time, but they're not talking in nuance. They're, it's just having that nice conversation and we're just kind of eavesdropping. And it's it's nice, it's delightful. But it's also, they're having fun at times and then they're getting insightful based on the way teams are playing, but they don't take themselves too serious. And it's a shock how well it comes off in the broadcast. People enjoying themselves, not taking themselves too seriously, enjoyable broadcast. Huh. Now for something completely <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah. And now for something completely different. <laughs> um so and I think that's great that they're they're getting the men involved. The men. Um yeah. The Men issue. have been shut out for far too long. I know, right? <laughs> Here, here's the scary thing, Cassie. Mm. The men are prepared. And that's what they I was... Know the, they know the players in these games in detail. Because you know why? They actually watch the sport that they play. Yeah, and that's what I was going to go with. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you ask... NHLers who who's the best who are the best women's players in the game right now and they'll give you three names. Right? And that's it. They they don't know beyond that, most of them, by and large. And so you couldn't bring an NHLer, an active NHLer over to a women's game like World Championships or the Olympics even, because they don't pay that much attention to the women's game to be able to like recognize other players and know what they do and, and know how they play and you know, what kind of expectations they have and yada, yada, yada. And so that's a problem, <laughs> you know, I, I no, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to sit there and do. Yeah, but not all men. 
because you know you're right you're right you know unless they see them they don't know they exist right right it's it's and, the who are the influential women in your life and they inevitably talk about their family right so unless their <laughs> sister is playing at that level or or somebody in their family you know right cousin, i mean something. Yeah. Be, be careful where you take this conversation or we might end the episode early. I'm I, just I was, was going to talk about the nurse family. <laughs> okay. There are the occasional ones who don't talk about family. Purpose and good family. on them. Yeah. Right. But, but most of them, they do. It's like, I think the only person on a regular basis who doesn't is like Jack Hughes. Jacques? Yeah. You're accusing me. <laughs> I get Jacques. the Hughes brothers. I get the Hughes brothers all confused. So I'm like, wait, is it Jack? <laughs> it's it's well, it's Jack, Jake, and Jaken, right? No, I'm right. kidding. I'm kidding. Right. No. Wait, they're not from the West Coast. What? Yeah, they're not from Western Canada. <laughs> <laughs> they're not Western Canadian boys. It's Jackson, Jaken, and Jared. Except for it's J Y E R D. <laughs> so anyway, and I mean they're the only ones on a regular basis that I have heard. The guy, the the, the Hughes brother in in New Jersey, he's the only one on a regular basis that I've heard talk about women's players that aren't related to him. So <laughs> yeah, know? that's true, and and you know some of it too. Um, it's because it it caps out at a certain skill level in Canada, right? Between certain ages, um, so until they get to play professionally back in Canada, there's a there's you know like a four or five year gap for a lot of the women in Canada right, where they have to visibility. play with the guys. Well, they have to they have to play with the guys, or they're down here in the states going to university. Right. And that automatically takes them off any radar in Canada. So I, I don't I've always I've always said that 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 sort of that mid-year gap type thing has been something I would love to see addressed in Canada because you hear everything about every OHL CHL player you know in the junior ranks because they're there. They're visible, right? So, you know, they they get you know they get a third of the coverage of the the NHL, which means they get you know 100% more coverage than any women playing college hockey. Right. And if they could ever figure out how to to coordinate some kind of collegiate level thing in Canada for the women on par with the states and turn it into something comparable to the CHL, I think, because I think that gap hurts, right? Because that's where you start to hear the rumblings, right? I mean, for crying out loud, everyone and their dogs talking about Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. You know, he's even getting coverage on ESPN. He's never played an NHL game, right? If there was, you know, the only time that that coverage is available for women is is somewhat at the world championships, the U-20s. And, and a little bit with, like, the final four yeah. women's ice hockey. But, again, college, and that's only because it's televised in the United States, and sometimes Canadian stations, like, pick that up. But Because right. there are a lot of Canadian women who play uh, in the U.S. college system. I, I would like to put out the disclaimer that I don't blame the guys who don't actually watch hockey in the NHL when they're not playing for not knowing who women are, then they get a pass, but everybody else sucks. So anyway, go on. (laughs) (laughs) And that's fair. Like, going back to the basketball analogy, not having a natural college system that we see in other sports, it's natural for basketball players to stay in tune to what their alma maters are doing and what those different programs are doing. That's a natural you know, tie-in, interest point. And then you get gravitated towards, oh, now I'm following the teams in this specific conference. You know, it's a bit of regionalism, but 
you know, the best of the best players will always shine through and you'll hear about them, but you also know about the up and coming names and hockey just doesn't have that because it's regionalist regionalism to the nth degree. And also, but also you get the, um, the women's, the WNBA are, have been in the past. I don't know how many are currently owned by NBA teams. Yeah. Yeah. There's that support system, but to your point, Pat and, also to your statement earlier, Cassie, I think I think the male hockey players in the NHL who are more prone to know about, you know, the, the, the fantastic women in the game are the ones that went to university with them. Right. Mm-hmm. You're more likely to hear, you know, a guy who played for the uh, Wisconsin Badgers talk about the women's, you know, the women's team. Same. I'd say Minnesota, but we all know what goes on there. Um, or Michigan or Michigan. Um <laughs> You know, I, I think that's more that's where that's where that delineation comes from. If you're Canadian, it's because you have a relative and she's a player. If you're American, mm-hmm. it's likely because you went to the same university with a um, that had an incredible women's program. And there's just sort of a natural um, cross pollination of those players. You know, oftentimes they're practicing same, you know, similar schedules. There's, you know, they'll be on the ice together in some cases, you know, yutzing around. So they also like and this is the thing that baffles me with like professional hockey, because it's it's totally a thing in like women's um, basketball in particular, but sports in general uh, is that they'll come out and support each other. So like in college. You know, you if you have a women's basketball game going on, the men's basketball team will be there and vice versa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's the same thing with, um, you know, the uh, ice hockey is the women are playing. The men will be there if they can be. And, the you know, men are playing. The one will be there if they can be, you know, schedules and all of that. But. And the thing that's baffle that baffles me about like NHLers in general is that if there's like some kind of tournament, nobody sticks around to watch it. They all leave. <laughs> and I'm like, what? But but why are but why aren't you staying? It's so weird. So yeah. everybody like sits around and watches everybody else. So like when I was playing basketball in high school and we'd have a tournament, we would sit there and watch the tournament, the entire tournament, while everybody else was playing. Not necessarily to scout, but just because we were there, they were there, so why not, you know? Um, and, yeah, NHLers don't do that. They, like, they like bolt. <laughs> it, well, a lot of times, too, with those tournaments, they're generally away, right? You're, you're generally, there's, so it's not like you can, you know, in a lot of cases, it's not like you can go back to your house and go, you know, between games or after you're done and, you know, bolt and go do something else because right. you're generally, so you're generally in an away scenario. And so well, it's also, it's also team just, a, yeah, it's a team thing, yeah. right? You know, it's yeah. like, it's not necessarily, it, it can be, if the tournament's not far away and everybody drives themselves, then, you know, people could leave yeah. if they wanted to, but nobody does. But often, like you said, you're right. It is usually an away thing, and everybody sticks around to watch everybody else. And and it's more of a supportive thing as opposed to anything else. It's like, okay, well, you know, they watched us, so we're going to go watch them kind of yeah. deal. And um, and that's just – and maybe that's just women's sports. I don't know. but And I, I've seen men's basketball, boys' basketball do that too. So maybe it's just a hockey thing. But – there's not that kind of inter-team support of each other, um, and that just might be the competitive, you know, that, that guy could be traded to my team someday and steal my job thing. I don't know. But anyway. I mean, I, I, the only time I've seen the men actively do it was, you know, at the Olympics. Right? Yeah. And, Wait, and what, that's, what's that again? Um, I'm sorry, the, the Olympics? The international best on best, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, yeah, but it's like a handful of guys. It's not everybody. It's not the whole team as a whole doing the team thing to go I'm, support the other team. I, I'm going to do this to you, Cassie. Hmm. That was pretty much the entirety of the Canadians men team. Okay. Men's team watching the Canadians women team Good. in the gold medal game. Good. So, I'm talking about be, all the time, but not just uh, gold medal. But I, yeah, yes, yes. Good, go ahead. Yeah. 
I yeah. know. I know. Well, <laughs> oftentimes it's because they have conflicting schedules. Right. So I'm, I, as much as it sounds like I'm making excuses, I'm trying to overqualify and do everything a man should never do <laughs> <laughs> by basically going, yeah, but not all men. <laughs> no, you know what? It's like, if I'm wrong, fine. Point out that I'm no. wrong. And I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're a hundred percent not. And I, I and to me it sort of it continues to go back to that there's no vested interest right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, That's kind of know, my point. Yeah, uh, unless you have some association, whether it's through alma mater or familial, there's no vested interest or internet you know or global massive international tournament. Yeah, there's 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 no vested interest for them to do it, and that's you know. Yeah, I would love to see that change because. I'll go back to that tournament, you know, that, that tournament I was um, watching the the women or the girls, I don't know, the U19 ladies tournament back in December and how much fun the guys were having that were there waiting for their games to come on. Just, you know, they're half dressed out in the hallway, you know, out by the rinkside warming up and everything. And, you know, almost all of them started glomming against the boards watching the games and, you know, making oohs and ahs when, you know, somebody made a wicked pass or made a sweet, you know, deke or something. So game recognized game. It's just that they don't, they don't actively go out to search for that game unless it's, you know, uh, unless they're there for another reason. Right. Mm-hmm. We force the kids that end up in the NHL into isolation way too fast. Yeah. Hockey players are isolated? Huh. <laughs> I can't use that ploy very much anymore. I've been, like, really leaning on that too much. Anyway, go on. No, that's quite all right, because it's <laughs> not like you're wrong. Well, there was Pat pointing it out. He's not wrong. This time. No, we don't. Amazing, amazing. You're right more often than not. Come on. Yeah. And you can uh, have this recorded that a woman told you that. <laughs> oh, did you want me to start recording? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Wait, we have transit. We have a record of what we say each week. Oh, my goodness. Sticks. Oh, fiddlesticks. Um, is Brad Marchand? <laughs> I can't stand that I have to talk about Brad Marchand again. In a nice way. I know. Not <laughs> the fact that you have to talk about him; it's that you have to talk about him in a nice way. <laughs> and I do what, like to what talk admirable about him. thing did he do this time? <laughs> put your big, put your best Eeyore voice on this one. Oh bother. <laughs> I just happened to stumble across a video somebody made that said, you know, basically 10 times Brad Marchand was the nicest guy on the face of the planet. Mm. And, you know, a lot of them, there was the incident where it was an away game and I don't remember where it was. I want to say Columbus. And a little girl had gotten hit by a puck during warmup and he saw it and he like, skate she was up in the stands and he skated over and made you know while they were there attending to her and then as he was getting off the ice he went and signed a stick and told his bruins pr guy to go over and take it to her and i'm just like god damn it brad and there was another time that he was i think traveling somewhere i want to say it was probably the all-star game landed at the airport had you know was had his daughter in his arms and and you know all his baggage and luggage and everything was falling everywhere and some kids said we could help you and he sat there and gave each one of them one of the sticks that he had with him and signed it and hung out and took pictures and you know gave him he gave him i think passes to to something that was going on with the all-star as well and i'm just going damn it brad you know because you, you 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 hear that stuff and you see those pictures and then you think about 
the most uncomfortable and awkward picture on the face of the planet when Connor McDavid was standing between, you know, two elderly, um, you know, Asian appearing people at an airport who were smiling and he's just like, uh, robot, not compute, <laughs> not compute, <laughs> not sure how to interact with human. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. if Leon was around, if Leon was around, Leon would have been able to, you know, would have been able to reprogram him on the fly. Yeah, some people are personable and some people aren't. That's just life. And, you know, I watch him on the pregame interview on TNT just <sighs> saying, you know, Jordan Bennington's, you know, probably taken over the most hated player in the league from him. And he just leans into it, and you just got to go, damn it, quit. (laughs) Quit making me like you more. (sighs) I mean, I have to admit that I don't don't get good vibes off Connor McDavid myself. (laughs) I know. He doesn't strike me as a very good human being. He might be an excellent hockey player, but he doesn't strike me as a very good human being. So... Um, I've been wrong about that before, though, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I don't think he's a bad human being. I don't think he's a good human being. I think he is, to use your term, I think he's just so isolated that he has no social skills. See, so, and I have, I have, I have equated professional athletes, in particular hockey players, with scientists, in this sense Mm. because scientists are notorious for having poor social skills and I've talked to a few physicists in my time and it is true so you know I think it's a case of like with with scientists in particular they're focusing so much on the thing that they love which is science whatever science or mathematics thing that they go into that they don't socialize right they socialize with people like them but they don't socialize with people outside of their group and so you end up with a bunch of mostly men because science is predominantly men for a variety of reasons that have nothing to do with actual intelligence but i'll leave that for now um and uh they work fine with each other but if they have to deal with people outside of their group, they have no idea how to cope, right? Yeah, if, they, if they have to deal with normies, it's just like, uh, I don't know how to talk to you. Right. Because you know, I, don't, like, I don't know anything about this pop culture of which you speak. Right. It's, it's like, you don't have anything in common with me. I have nothing in common with you. We have nothing to talk about. And, oh, by the way, I don't know how to read emotions off of people because I never learned that. And so... And so they just, and so I, I feel like hockey players in particular, all professional athletes to some extent, but hockey players in particular, because most of them don't go through the college system and you get socialized as an athlete in college, right? At I mean, the very least, if not before. <laughs> they're, they're barely even going through the high school system. Right. And so, um, and so they don't interact with people outside of hockey. Right. If these guys had friends outside of hockey who have never played hockey in their lives ever, that would like make everything better for them, I think. But they don't do that. And I don't think they know how to do that because they I have heard a number of players. They get traded. They go to another locker room. They have a whole room. They have a new team of friends. Right. They don't have to, like, learn how to make friends as an adult. Like well, everybody else does. It's a whole team of friends foist upon them. Yes. It's, it's a whole. Well, it's like elementary school, right? <laughs> well, it's all. It's a whole. It's a whole room of friends foist upon them who are in the same. Who have been basically in the same position as them. So they're just as awkward and wackadoo as you. So okay, there's our there's our common thread. But some people actually have social skills, like Brad Marchand, like apparently Sidney Crosby, like. You know, a few other people that that are very personable when they're talking to fans. Uh, although I don't know how far that extends outside of talking to fans, right? Did you just learn to be personable with fans and not know how to deal with regular people after that? 
<laughs> you well, know? I, in this I particular go... situation, do you get it? But do you not get it outside of this situation? I don't know how that works for some of these guys, but um, but yeah, no, they they are they are <laughs> like scientists, emotionally stunted and socially inept. <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly it. When and and I'm not making justifications for it. I'm I'm definitely not justifying it in any way, shape, or form. But when they have been dedicating their entire life's focus to that one thing. That's exactly what I expect. Mm-hmm. Because they when have... When you're totally surrounded by those people doing the same thing as them. And have dedicated their life to being that one thing, mm-hmm. and that one thing only. They have wrapped their entire identity up into being that one thing. Right. So. Well, no, I didn't realize... Go on. Sorry. This whole conversation is a mad lib waiting to happen. I can yeah. apply it to <laughs> analytics versus eye test debate. I could just apply it to a white male, if, if I'm being perfectly honest. Oh, uh, don't even get me started on how women are expected to, like, raise, raise men in an emotional intelligence sort of way. <laughs> I'm not going to get you started on that. Okay, good, because that's probably not going to be a good conversation for anybody. I am, I am just, I am just going to say the only emotion I have seen Connor McDavid um, display has been to his programming overlord Leon Draisaitl. Because Leon, what is stick? Uh, I think that's a one-way relationship. Um, <laughs> Because after Leon scored his hat trick last night, giving him 50 on the season and 300 for his career, by the way, still better than Matthews, um, McDavid went over and hugged him on the bench. So clearly Leon's software updates to McDavid bot are, are bringing in a little bit of emotion, but he's still got that whole... Um, imprinting thing, you know, he imprinted on, on dry sidle. So that's his, you know, like a little, like, <laughs> exactly, like with another exactly, exactly, Cassie. Thank you. I'm glad you caught the reference. <laughs> you know, whatever the first animal they see, they imprint on, right. You know, um, yep. Yeah, so he, he imprinted on dry sidle very, very rapidly. So the two of them have been, um, very close knit, and you know, especially as Leon, as we all know, um, is the software engineer writing the firmware for McDavid Bot. Because who was the one person that came out this preseason and said, you know, Mc, McDavid's going to get sixty? It was Leon, because Leon had programmed him, programmed him to shoot a little bit more. So, just saying. Vorsprung durch Technik. German engineering. Mm-hmm. German engineering created the perfect Canadian hockey robot. <laughs> no, created updates to create the... The perfect hot journal. Well, right, we, right. We, we refined, refined the Canadian code with German engineering. You know, just because someone, Canada, created and started the idea, it doesn't mean it's theirs. Mm. They would disagree with you when it comes to hockey. <laughs> well, see, see, Cassie, I'm going to disagree with you. I think, I think, I, I, I think McDavid was created by the Germans and released mm. in Canada after after they had seen what Canada did with Crosby Bot. Uh huh. Germans, being Germans, decided they could do it better. Mm-hmm. And there were some inefficiencies in Crosby Bot that they felt that they could address. I see. And thank you for attending Patrick's Conspiracy Corner. <clears throat> thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> feel, no, this is my Conspiracy Corner. Feel free to pick up your tinfoil <laughs> hat on the way out. Drop it off for recycling when you're done. Your Faraday, your Faraday cage cell phone cases will be available shortly. <laughs> Now I'm just wondering if the Finns do software patches. 
you know, the Germans create the core architecture that's used in these programs. I just, I'm worried the Russians, you know, they stole Crosby bot and made Ovechkin bot. And I'm just worried about what they're going to bastardize with McDavid bot after they, after they reverse engineer it. Unless, unless Leon updated the encryption model and they haven't been able to, and maybe that's why there hasn't been an, uh, a Russian McDavid bot clone yet. <sighs> It's some, it's, some, it's some super private laboratory up in the Yukon, stuck away on the outskirts of Whitehorse. <laughs> or I was just going to say a town just north of Edmonton because... It's the same thing. Is Clint Costin responsible for Ryan Nugent Hopkins' upgrade? Yes. Boy, talk about the quietest one, nearly 100-point season in history. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I get you got two guys who are going to suck the air out of the room regardless, but you're, <laughs> what is he, top six or top seven in the league in scoring? And you would have... He's currently uh, tied for sixth. Yeah, you would have never known it. Who's, who's uh, so it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, um, Kucherov, Kucherov, Pasternak, Kachuk. and Kachuk, yeah. Kachuk. Pasternak, Jason Robertson, Nathan McKinnon. Not a single leaf in sight, huh? huh. Uh, Mar- Marner is two points back. Yeah. Okay. With two fewer games played, in okay. fairness. So literally a single leaf in sight. It's <laughs> <laughs> huh. not what I was told about that team. Anyway. <laughs> They'll, they'll tell you all kinds of things about that team that aren't true. So, you know. Yeah, I, as, as, I'm not going to say as much as it pains me to say, I think the moves that were made for the Oilers, the Costin, Bugstad, and, and um, Ekholm deals were just the exact moves they needed. Anything, any, all those big deals that everyone was wanting them to make just would have made things worse. They just needed to paint. The, they just need to fill in around the edges a little bit, and hope to God that their goaltending stabilized, and it kind of did with Skinner. So mm-hmm. they don't need to be the world's greatest defensive team. They need to be better defensively, and they got better defensively. They needed a little more help getting the puck out of their zone. They got a little more help getting the puck out of their zone. They did not need an Eric Carlson, as funny and goofy and stupid as it would have been to see. They didn't need it. It really would have been stupid to see, though. That power play, just like, okay, so we're just going to go ahead and say that a 40%, you know, 40 percent success rate on a power play is a, a normal thing in the NHL now. A lot of people want it to be. <laughs> they want yeah. it to be a normal thing. <laughs> they, well, the refs certainly are trying to give certain teams a lot of chance to get there. Um, God. I want to see my Quentin Byfield in the playoffs. So you just have to hope Edmonton surpasses Vegas and you'll get to see him for a bit. Okay. Yeah. I want, I'll, God, I also do want the Jonathan Quick revenge tour. A seven game series that LA could certainly win this time. Which would just, God, that'd be hysterical. <laughs> and at least Jack Eichel will get seven games, you know? Yeah, left out in that whole discussion. Um, watching Alex Tuck yesterday is just, it's a sight it's a sight to enjoy. You just want to watch, let it wash over you. 
and then seeing Peyton Krebs playing that good too, you're just kind of like, uh, Vegas, why, why, you know, why? <laughs> I I get your Vegas and you're chasing the big shiny thing and you know, but why? <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the movie The Blind Side? I have not. So it, it's a, been a minute, but yes. So there's a scene where Sandra Bullock's character, she plays the mother who adopts this um, very large black boy off the street who ends up becoming an NFL player. So this is based on a true story. Um, is watching, he's he's trying to play football. This boy's playing, trying to play football, and his coach is not getting through to him. And so she goes walking out onto the field in a outfit that everybody's of course staring at her for because you know male gaze and all of that and um and she goes out and she explains to this boy that she's adopting how you know the expectations in a way that he will understand it and then she walks back and the coach comes back to her and is like how did you get him to do that and she's like get to know your players <laughs> you should get to know your players because because he hide he scored really highly on protective instincts and he wasn't coaching him in that way so um so yeah it's just it just makes me whenever I hear about like teams where the a players traded and they do so much better with the with a new team. I just sit there and think about that scene with that. Is their coach just reading them better? Does that just a better fit with that coach so the coach can get more out of this player? <laughs> and and well, the thing is, or, in this, in this specific case, time has a bit. Yeah, no, exactly. In this specific case, Cassie, he was doing the exact same thing right. in Vegas. So this isn't, you know, this isn't one of those. Oh, he's doing better now. No, 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 no. He's doing the exact same thing, which is why it breaks my heart. You know, Vegas is is struggling to score and here's Alex Tuck lighting up with almost 40 goals this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But to your point, Pat, go ahead. Please. Oh, I was going to say it's it's just it just takes a matter of oh, you can't just play by the same script over and over again and expect the same thing to happen. Like look at a a different example, like Jesse Pugliarvi is finally free from Edmonton, but is he being played any differently than he was in Edmonton? In Edmonton, he was either playing with other players who always have the puck, or he's played down in the lineup where he's not useful. He's a player who grew up learning to play with the puck. So a coach has to do one of two things, put him in that same position, where he is one of the two drivers on the line, or you have to teach him how to play without it. It's that whole teaching part, that getting through to someone doesn't seem to be happening. But on the corollary, something Don Granato is doing, he he is finding ways with newer players that come onto his roster and getting them to change ever so slightly. Sure, you're going to notice it with your Krebs of the world, I also noticed watching two Buffalo games this past week. I noticed it with Tyson Jost. Yeah. Thank you. Who, you know, he should have stayed in college. He shouldn't have joined the Avalanche organization when he did. He needed a little more physical maturing. Great player, very defensively responsible, but man, was his skating all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's it's like that whole, oh, little guy running a thousand miles an hour. looks like he's throwing a bunch of effort in because he has to. But when you learn to calm and focus some of the energy and control your skating a little bit more, wow, you find yourselves in better positions. Well, it's, it, and it, Joe's go making the transition between the three teams. He, he was skating more than... Um, more than freaking McDavid just looping around on the power play, but doing yeah. nothing with it. And now, oh, you're still not putting up points, but wow, you're taking way less penalties. You're consistent positionally. You're in the right place. You are making the smart play. You are helping, even though, and this this goes back to, to Jesse Pugliari, it doesn't show on the score sheet what he was doing. Mm, not no. everything has to be 
you know, that is not the only result that people look for unless you're in the Edmonton press and then you run him out of town because he is not putting up your favorite numbers of GA and, and plus minus. But everybody in the world who isn't part of the 200 hockey men in Edmonton was going, he's very effective. He's unbelievably helpful in, in driving five-on-five five offensive pressure. He's very sound defensively. He's very sound getting the puck out of the zone. You know, he may be the, he may be the third assist in a lot of games if they had three assists, right? You know, that's the guy that sort of sets up everything and, and takes it, you know, gets it out and opens the door for someone else. And so I'm so happy to see him and his pupper in Carolina being used that way. Would I like to see him score more? Yes. Would he like to see himself score more? Yes. But you can't force it. Yeah. And then you, you take a look at now the next player who kind of fits that archetype is Yamamoto. Is he going to get hammered the same way? No. Because he wasn't a top five pick. Yeah, there's that pressure too, right? Yeah. No, they'll start hammering. How did Chris Phillips escape all that pressure all those years in Canada? Just one. By by not being good at the outset and lowering the expectations for him. Or he was exactly who he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be him. A defensive defenseman in the late 90s, yeah. early 2000s. But also Ottawa. Did that work? <laughs> yeah, Ottawa. You know, Are Ottawa. you saying Bruce Garriock, um How do I want to put this? Isn't Mark Spector? Wait, aren't they the same person? I'm confused. No, they are. They are decidedly not the same person. Hmm. I could say they both have agendas. They both have their biases. But it's almost like one has a a membership card with the number two hundred on it, and one probably doesn't. Ottawa. I don't know. Yeah. Well, again, Ottawa. Ottawa. Ottawa's not even the redheaded stepchild of the Canadian teams. It's the adopted redheaded stepchild's cousin of the Canadian teams. <laughs> and what does that so make Winnipeg neighbor, right now? It's the kid from the neighbor down the street that you don't really know that just moved in. <laughs> it, that's kind of it's the you kid know. that. So is is Winnipeg the kid that you bring back for the final episode that you only introduced in season one? You're just like, oh, yeah, we forgot about you. I think I think Winnipeg is the is the um, Darren Stevens switch. Yeah, I was going to say he's the recast character. Yeah. Yeah. um, Because it kind of swaps the Edmund or. Winnipeg kind of gets swapped in and out with Calgary on occasion or Vancouver on occasion to be the whipping boys or the praised ones. Now, Vancouver's always the whipping boy. They definitely are the redheaded stepchild of the NHL. Um, and I can see that because I have sisters with red hair. So <laughs> Van- Vancouver is the cousin Oliver um, of the NHL. Nobody wants them there, but. They seem to, for some reason, there are ratings that prove they should be there. I'm kidding. Vancouver should still be there. Get off my back. Um, I wouldn't agree, but yes, you're right. <laughs> well, yeah. See, and there's that's what I'm kind of saying. They're kind of the cousin Oliver. Um, and for any of you who are too young to understand the television references which I am making, there's a thing called a search engine. <laughs> Because uh, I, I was um, sometimes I just throw it on in the background while I'm like riding my bike, my stationary bike or something. I was watching another episode of Arrested Development, and the number of Fonzie jokes they make with Harry Winkler's character is unbelievable. 
And I just sat there thinking the other day, I wonder how many people got those. Like there's a scene where they're in the restroom and he's talking to Will Arnett's character and they're standing in front of the mirror, you know, over the sinks and everything. And he pulls out a comb and looks at himself in the mirror and just kind of goes and then walks off. (laughs) Don't know how many people would have gotten. That's a Fonzie joke. That is a Fonzie joke. (laughs) And then there was another scene later where they were down at the docks trying to recover Buster's hand. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, and and they'd ca- they'd caught a shark and you know the shark they found the seal arm and everything and and as they were leaving the dock he jumped over the shark. I mean, come on. <laughs> he jumped the literal shark. <laughs> so and that was people's entry point to that. Yeah. See, I bet you anything. People who never watched Happy Days. Or Laverne and Shirley, for that matter. Um, probably that's where they thought Jump the Shark came from, is Arrested Development. Or they gave a reason for it. If I don't remember which came first, but yeah. It was... I remember seeing it on some internets, and now we go into the entomology of memes. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing it on, like, FARC back in the early 90s. Or not early nineties, the the late nineties. There are a lot of people that you know would post uh, the GIF of that, you know, the low resolution Lego tastic GIF of that when a particular thread conversation had sort of spiraled out of control. You know, mm-hmm. it had it hadn't reached Godwin's law, but it had reached that point where it provided absolutely nothing of value. Um, yeah, I didn't have anything else. Adventures in pop culture. Hey, I've got a new studio. Well, a new desk in my studio, which still counts. I'm not redoing my walls, though. (laughs) Pat quit searching for jerseys. I knew he couldn't get out of it. I knew it. <laughs> I was looking at elbow pads, okay? I'm just... Yeah. You're Jersey adjacent. <laughs> that game worn, or... Uh, <laughs> are we talking, like, just ones for yourself or your kids? What, what's, what's the specifics on that one? Oh, for myself. Oh, okay. Um, not game worn. I prefer new stuff because I'm going to make it last a decade if possible. Don't blame you. Hockey gear's expensive. Yeah, and I can justify it because oh, my body has stopped growing, and oh, it, <laughs> it's not going to just go up in the attic. Your body has stopped growing vertically, Pat. Okay, let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> Well, if I use standard deviation and consistent (laughs) measurements, it's staying the same. Mm. There's just a lot of fluctuation up and down and back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) And in different places. Sometimes it's in the cheek. Sometimes it's in the... Never mind. Speaking of, is fun, isn't it? <laughs> speaking of Jump the Shark. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what, can we all, uh, speaking of Jumping the Shark, um, comments about Keith Kachuk's radio interview were overblown. Oh, dear God in heaven. Yes. Yeah, so he went on. He and- just said a thing because he doesn't have to censor himself and he put exactly um five seconds worth of thought into it let's stop evangelizing him or even giving him that much credit he just said a thing he said what was on his mind how dare he how dare he say what was everyone's applauding him because he was right because he was right you know, but did it really matter? No, 
Did that set the tone for their game against Toronto, Florida's game against Toronto? No. No. Furthermore, if Mackenzie Weger were still on the Florida Panthers, guess what position they'd they'd be in? Pretty much right where they're at. Yes, same. Oh, this player who magically left and the defense got worse is having a good season on a good defensively struggling but struggling team in the other conference. Huh. Maybe he's just a good hockey player but doesn't push or move the needle in either direction. Hmm. It's amazing how these things work out. It really kind of is, isn't it? And remember back to the conversation, who was the 100-point player uh, involved in that deal? Oh, Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, the youngest player, the most, uh, on average, probably the best player in the deal. And, oh, he's having the most success right now. But he can't do it alone. Huh, what other teams from, I don't know, Alberta does this sound like? From the past. The uh, Edmonton Oil Kings? Uh, I was going to go with the Red Red Deer Rebels. That's also a good one. Yes. Um, Which other, the other two teams that play in the uh, Saddle Dome in Calgary? The the Wranglers and the Hitmen? Lethbridge? No, they don't. Uh, I know they don't. I just had to say Lethbridge. That's all. You just like to say Lethbridge. Mm. Actually, Moose Jaw, but Moose Jaw's in Saskatchewan, so. <laughs> Everyone loves to say Moose Jaw just because it sounds like it should be something other than what it is. I've been to Moose Jaw. Oh, dear God. Would somebody in this Blues and Bruins game please anger Jordan Bennington? <clears throat> I just want Brad. Marshall. No, I think I think the the Bruins are officially in. Okay, we've done everything. Let's scale back a little mode. We got plenty of games to break the record. <laughs> yeah, whereas other teams were feigned outrage because they've done things and they kind of know what they're doing, but they were. Um, playing mediocre a la Tampa, and now they're slightly less mediocre than other teams are, oh, are starting to play well again. See at the 9-0-1 Edmonton Oilers of late. Just this weird time of year where we read way too much into everything. I thought that was all all year long. I didn't realize there was a particular time of year for that. Well, this isn't to say much about San Jose Sharks fans who are overanalyzing all three of their recent wins, but they're pretty much in the same position they've been all season. But I I know a few fans who were um, outraged last night, let's say. Hmm. Because... They, because uh, they beat the Arizona Coyotes and put up seven goals, and they don't understand. It doesn't matter. It is still fifty-fifty. It doesn't matter how many little ping-pong balls you get in there. It is still fifty-fifty. You can't replay the same event a hundred times in the same time in this same space time. You get one shot. It's fifty-fifty. It's because you have four more ping pong balls and the person behind you doesn't matter. It's 50, 50. <laughs> and they, when they, you know, should they win, then they'll say, see the laws of uh, probability. No, it was still 50, 50. <laughs> Numbers are hard for people. Okay. Concept and grasping, you know, the one percentage point difference, you know, that, or the one and a half or 2%, you know, 2% difference that you have in odds by by moving up or down <laughs> it's 50 50 
so long as you're in the top 11, it's 50-50. <laughs> and I'm going to celebrate vociferously when someone who had like a 4% chance wins. <laughs> mm-hmm. But enough about the Red Wings. Hey, I, I, uh, I'd love to see him there. Again, you know, my, my chaos theory is, and they continue to disprove me, and I'm continually okay, uh, not disprove me, they, they continue to um, eradicate my hope of the chaos theory ever happening, but I'm okay with it, is that Buffalo finished just inside the lottery bump window and won it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> You know who is just inside that window? And it'd be very curious to see how it changes things. The Washington Capitals. Yeah. Because they're still not going to strip anything down because, well, uh, geopolitical issues aside, um, someone chasing an all-time record and you supporting that, should be a fun thing and wow injecting a bunch of talent in this uh aging core hmm i don't think it'd be as fun i think i think that's chaos i don't I, think it would be either but w- i think would it's it not set fun the chaos. team up for, no st louis blues that might be fun chaos uh Oh, because, I mean, there are certain teams Connor Bedard could be drafted by, and it's it's more the Jack Eichel route than the, the, the Connor McDavid, where you're still going to struggle in perpetuity, even with this kid who joins as an 18-year-old, because there are no better options for him to play elsewhere. Unless it's Columbus. Columbus... Ooh, a little right. bit of health and a little bit of offense could go a long way because they are there's something there from the bottom and goals and goals for there's there's something brewing in Columbus I haven't been able to put my finger on it yeah. but there's something brewing there I don't know if it's a good brew or a bad brew because just like any coffee, most of them are crap until you actually <laughs> see how the brewing is done. They're overbrewed, they're overroasted. Yeah. Philadelphia creates the most um, headlines with question marks. So they'd be chaotic Between neutral. Start chaotic neutral. Um, Chicago Blackhawks, chaotic bad. Capitals chaotic bad. evil. <laughs> Capitals chaotic evil, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah Anaheim Ducks, neutral, neutral, just Yeah. Nothing's gonna change. More people are gonna go to the games, but nothing's gonna change. Mm-hmm. Arizona Coyotes, um Lawful Neutral. Probably if we're if we're sticking to the confines of the roster, yes. The Montreal Canadiens. Well. Good. We'll see, but but the Detroit Red Wings. Eh. Chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral would be good. Finally, Eiserman has the lottery balls go his way. Yeah, because they did kind of... They uh, they complained about the Lafreniere draft, right? That was, for all intent and purposes, supposed to be theirs. Again, further proving, 50-50. Mm-hmm. And can we just agree, as long as it's not Vancouver... That would be destructive chaos. Destructive, <laughs> destructive, chaotic evil. And ESPN's 30 for 30 is already preparing their budget for that documentary. Now that they're uh, wrapping up uh, post-production on the 2011 doc. 
I'm surprised they didn't do. I mean, if you're gonna, if you are going to document riots that happen in the city of Vancouver, where were the '94 riots then? I hope they bring in the '94 riots because people. Oh, come on, this is ESPN we're talking about. They only know about the guarantee and the 54-year drought. They have no idea what happened in Vancouver. Let's be honest. Most people in Vancouver don't know what happened in Vancouver. <laughs> for a variety of reasons. <laughs> that's because most of the people from Vancouver aren't living there anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've been priced out. Oh, would you say teams in the arbitrary markets have no concepts of transplants? Get out of here. Or creating something from scratch? Unbelievable. I know. It's amazeballs, isn't it? Yeah. What am I? Okay. Who is this player wearing 51 for the Blues? Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs) 51 would be... Oh. (laughs) Zach Dean? Player I've never heard of. Who can Google the fastest? I'm not even Googling, so good for you. (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh, oh. This person has an interesting last name. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Matthew Kessel. Uh Uh-huh. Matthew Kessel. Makes you wonder if he has any relation to Philip J. Kessel. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.